Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the cafe. Welcome to the program. Pastor Clark Co- Covington here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, struggling today, but hey, we're going to get through it. I don't know why. It's like I said half my name and just stopped, but Genesis 3.1 is where we're at. Hopefully you're doing well, having a great day and a great week. Genesis 3.1, and again, you go on a long time on this, but but for the sake of just touching on the main points of this, we're going to wrap up Genesis 3.1. Today's a fourth part here. If you haven't already listened to the other three parts, though, I'll recap it a little bit. But Genesis 3.1, uh, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And we see in Genesis 3.1, the introduction of this serpent. And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And so we understand that word subtlety to be like, you know, uh, hard to detect, crafty, clever, right? This idea of maybe you don't know what really the intention is behind what someone is saying, right? Have you ever encountered anyone like that? I knew someone one time that was very good at flattery. And uh, you learn later on, they're just doing that because maybe they have some kind of agenda or whatever. You're like, what? You didn't really mean it. You know, I'm someone that likes uh, to put things at face value. You know, if you just say something, mean it. If you don't mean it, don't say it kind of thing. But the devil certainly had no regard for Adam and Eve. I mean, he, he wishes death upon God's creation. He wishes death upon man. If it's his way, everyone's coming to hell with him and not to heaven with the Lord. He's an evil, wicked devil. And yet he's God's devil. God created him. We know that at one point he was an angel, Lucifer, uh, son of the morning, the angel of music up there, reflecting the praise unto God. We know that he had a, uh, he fell, amen, and that he uh, had a rebellion against God, him and the fallen angels, which was which were many. And that's where the devil comes from. And even though he is evil, he's still under God's sovereign control. He's God's devil, amen. And this subtlety is tricking man. It's been tricking man for a long time. And I've given you verses out of Matthew 13 about how uh, the devil will trick man out of being saved. And I've talked to you a little bit here about how the devil will trick man out of living for God, out of serving God, and how the devil will lull Christians to sleep. You may think, I'm just going to take a little break and play this game. You know, what's the big deal? And the game may be a device the devil's using to get you away from him or watch this show or watch a, watch a game or go to the mall or whatever it is. And all these things independent of the devil may not be necessarily bad, but once the devil gets a hold of what you like, he can use it to tempt you, right? You know, remember the way that this question was introduced. It was, it was a question. It wasn't forced. You know, when we fall into sin, as Adam and Eve were about to fall into sin, when we fall into sin, it starts with temptation. We aren't required to disobey. We're enticed, right? We're enticed. We're not required. James 1, 12 through 16 gives us a perfect picture of this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. What does it mean to endure? You know, withstand, right? 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Remember that word enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's James 1, 12 through 16. So we see here what gets man to sin? Lust, enticement, right? And then what are the wages of sin? Death. Death. Okay? It's not wrong to be tempted. And in, in the latter part of this message, we're going to look at Jesus being tempted. We know Jesus as perfect and sinless. So if Jesus was tempted by the devil himself and Jesus is perfect and sinless, then it is that we can deduce from that scenario that it is not wrong to be tempted. It is normal. And if you are living for God, you will be tempted like you've never been tempted before. A lot of born again Christians simply refer to the devil as the tempter. Okay. Because he is going to tempt here, there, and everywhere to get you off track. Right. I've mentioned it even in the beginning of recording today. There was all kinds of temptations with work stuff to not record this message. And I said, no, let me put everything to the side. It's that important. Let me record it. So I'm not tempted. Amen. The tempter, he's very subtle, but he's tempting us with things that are meaningful to us, that are interesting to us, that have uh, some weight in our minds, right? And he is using our lusts against us to get us to fall into sin. Adam and Eve they were lusting to what? To eat of this one forbidden fruit. Did they know how to eat fruit? Yes. You think the devil knew that? The devil knew it was already in their wheelhouse to eat the fruit of the garden. He already knew the answer to the question. He just wanted to tempt them out of their lust because surely, you know, their fleshly lust, they'd looked at it before and said, that fruit looks really good. And wow, I could know a lot and, the, you know, I could have this knowledge I don't have now and I can do everything else here. Why not that, right? It becomes taboo, becomes something interesting to them. Trust me, you have a teenager, tell them not to do something if you want them to do something. Be like, please, please, whatever you do, do not clean your car or your room. Don't clean your car or your room. That's how they'll go do it, amen? It's, you make it taboo. You tell them no and they might want to go do it. But we're no different as people, Amen. And we have, again, oftentimes the more luxury, you know, Eden is referred to as a land of luxury in paradise. Oftentimes the more luxury and paradise we have in this flesh, the more likely or capable we are of sinning because we feel like we deserve it. We feel like what's the big deal? We get into that mind frame. I've heard it said that 99% can deal with poverty, but only 1% can deal with prosperity. And that sounds about right to me because when we're in poverty, we're calling out to God. That's why you can see in many third world nations, people happy as a clam, loving the Lord, living big in Jesus and not having any material possessions because they're depending on God. They're seeing God in their lives every single day as he provides for them. That saw, uh, Psalm, excuse me, hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You re I was reading about, I love to read about the old hymn writers and he was a poet and he had been a pastor and he was too sick to pastor. So he was a, a businessman, but he didn't have a lot of business. And he wrote many poems and he said, uh, even though he was in poverty his life. He said he never, ever forgot how much God provided. In fact, that poverty allowed him to see God's provision in his life over and over again. And by the way, that led to that beautiful hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, probably my favorite hymn, if not one of my favorites of all time. That's the idea here, friend, that we get comfortable as Adam and Eve surely were. They weren't ashamed. Amen. They were living good. And then the subtle one comes in and tempts us. 
And we're going to look at what the subtle one tries to do to Jesus here right when we come back from the break. So stay tuned. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right, so here we are, uh, and we're in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he was afterward a-hungered. Think about that. When the devil, the subtle one's going to come when he's weak, right? When he would appear to be weak. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, so he's appealing to his pride, command that these stones be made bread, appealing to his weakness, his hunger. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So Jesus first deals with temptation in the wilderness by quoting scripture and saying this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We are to live by every word that comes from God. Every single one, the words that come from God that we like and the ones that we don't like, that is how we are to live. Verse five, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. So the top of the temple. And he saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Okay, here's another temptation. What does Jesus do? Verse seven, Jesus says unto him, it is written again, thou shall not tempt the Lord thy God. There you go. Don't tempt God. He can't be tempted. He won't be tempted. Don't mess with God. Amen. Verse eight. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. And here's the question asked many times. Was it the devil's to give? It was because he is the little G God of this world. He obtained that, that power when he tricked Adam and Eve. Verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt, not, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Get thee hence, Satan, for, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So Jesus ultimately, that third time, deals with temptation. Three is a very important number, by the way. That third time, deals with temptation by saying, you will only serve God. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only will thou serve. So Satan was falsely trying to get worship from Christ to kingdoms that clearly were already going to be his because he died for all mankind to be risen again on the third day. He's highly lifted up. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He created all things. He knows all things. He is all things. These are all his, amen. And so for the devil to tempt him with these things is kind of silly, but for our sakes, God allowed it. He condescended himself down. He said, go ahead, you do this. God allowed it for us to learn that we are to respond to temptation, to, to respond to this enticement, to respond to these lusts in our heart by returning to God, by worshiping God, by living for God, by, by understanding that God loves us that he has a way for us that is a good way, that his ways are the best way, that the Christian life is the best life, and that when we think on our own account, when we try to become intellectual about these things, we fall into grave danger. When we say, well, let's just study this up, you know, let's get a council together and let's review to see if we can maybe change some of these scriptures or maybe we can uh, 
do God a favor here and live a little differently. He doesn't need us to do a favor to him. He doesn't need us to criticize the scriptures. He needs us to study them, but he doesn't need us to criticize them. We are to live for him wholly and truly. We are to live without compromise. Guess what? If every other church falls into Satan's trap and waters down the gospel message so that it's like seed by the wayside that gets eaten up by the fowls of the air, which is the enemy. If every other church does that, but yours, you stand firm on the gospel truth that is in God's word and you don't compromise one lick until he calls you home. Amen. And when God deals with the churches, Jesus does in the book of Revelation, we see that in the letters to the churches. Because the devil will love, he'd love to split up a church. He'd love to run a wedge through a church. He'd love to water down a church. He'd love to do that because that is where we are getting so much Bible study and doctrine from. And sadly, many Christians are living in a state where that's the only Bible study they're doing. So again, Satan's very subtle. If it's the only Bible study they're doing is there in the church, what does he have to do? The subtle one just simply has to water the church down, eliminate the church, take away from the church. But God in his wonderful, poetic, beautiful, sovereign way makes good on that in the church through the persecution of the church. You know, I've heard it said that the Chinese church has grown so, so strong through persecution and that it'd be a fearful thing if they lifted off the persecution because then they would be at ease and may not truly seek God and have faith in God like they do under persecution. That's just one of many examples, amen. And we see here that when the devil left, the angels came and ministered unto Jesus. We need to be in prayer, in season, out of season, so that we can have that closeness with God to have discernment over the temptations that we deal with in our lives day to day, week to week, year to year. Because we see in Genesis 3, the pervert came, he spoke subtly, he asked the question, he begged the question. It was almost like he was trying to give permission to the woman to question God. And then she ends up, guess what? Questioning God, falling into sin, and how vulnerable we all are to the same fate if we aren't in the book, if we aren't studied up, if we aren't sold out to God, we're vulnerable to the same fate, whether it's being lulled to sleep, whether it's being confused and tricked, whether it's being just killed by sin, we're, we're in the same fate if we don't turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. Sell out to him. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless. Amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow. Same time same place.